Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Run, Repeat, the running podcast for the average runner. Real special podcast today with the legendary Danny Kennedy. He's from the Fitness and Lifestyle podcast, massive podcast. Uh, that's how I actually found Danny. After that, I found his social media and um, just shot him a message and he was kind enough to give me some of his time and come on and have a chat to us. Uh, I thought it was perfect timing as it's Christmas and we're probably all overindulging, <laughs> drinking a little bit too much, eating a bit too much food. So Danny's like a master of your uh, nutrition, calories in, calories out. We get right into that in the podcast. Uh, I purposely waited to drop this podcast until now because towards the end, um, he's, Danny speaks about his new supplement brand company that he's just started called Unify Sups. And um, yeah, I didn't want to release the episode until he'd gone live with that. So he, he's just gone all, all live on his social medias with that. So I'll, I'll link to all the websites for that and the Instagram pages, etc., in the description to check that out. And um, yeah, definitely listen to this one, guys, and uh, take note of what he says about uh, how to manage your calories and your macronutrients and um, all that jazz. It's a really good interview and I was just so stoked that um, Danny came on and, and gave me some of his time. So enjoy this one, team. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We'll be back with the full team in the next couple of days to recap 2023. But enjoy this one with the legendary Danny Kennedy. podcast danny kennedy how are you mate i'm well thanks man how are you thanks for having me on oh man this is a a real treat to have you on i'm a, I'm a massive fan of your podcast the fitness and lifestyle podcast that's um how i kind of fit, found you i found you on instagram after that but i, th- I was um you know I, I really wanted to have a good chat to you because i've learned so much from listening to your podcast about nutrition and I mean, most of our listeners are runners. I guess we, it's probably the one thing that most runners get wrong is the nutrition side. Cause we think mm-hmm. that, cause we're running all the time and you, you're just burning so many calories that you can just eat what you want. But it's, yeah, there's, there's so much more to it than just eating rubbish. It's, I like, um, from listening to your podcast, you always talk about, uh, getting your calories from whole foods and, and stuff like that. So. We can get into that, but mate, like, I don't really know that much about your past. I only really know what I've been hearing on the podcast recently. So just for our listeners, do you want to just tell them who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, yeah. So I, I grew up in country Victoria. So I grew up in Horsham in country Victoria, um, was always super active as a kid. Um, you know, grew up mainly playing basketball and football and, 
from a pretty early age, I'd pretty much just had my mindset on playing basketball as a living pretty much. Like that was the goal. That was the, the intention just to end up being a professional basketballer. I, I always loved my footy. And when I look back on it now, I probably enjoyed football more than basketball, but I just had made that decision to go all in with basketball. And um, I guess something about me and my personality is that once I decide what I want to do, I tend to go all in with it and, and kind of obsess over it. And so, yeah, growing up, I was like super skinny, um, was never the most talented in in, in basketball um, by a long stretch. But for whatever reason, I right from an early age, I my work ethic was just something that I doubled down on. And I just kind of, you know, when I look back at it now, I was definitely, you know, overdoing it, like burning candle on both ends, I guess. But I also credit, you know, that to a lot of the success or the wins that I was able to have. Without it, I wouldn't have ever reached like, any of the levels that I did, but yeah. So growing up football, basketball, um, in about year 10, um, I, I first went to the gym. So before that I was naturally good at running, as I said, super skinny, um, would just train as hard as I possibly could to make sure I was outworking everyone else. So the, the gap between the, the skill, um, I guess the level of skill could be closed through hard work and just being fitter and working harder and putting in more time than everyone else. And, you know, I was very fortunate to, to have some really cool achievements with sport and, you know, particularly with basketball, um, you know, in comparison to, I guess, your average basketball, I was, I was very lucky to make certain selections and all the rest of it. But at the same time, like to the level that I was trying to get to, I was also the one that was getting cut from all the state sides. I was missing out on all of these things that I was, I felt like I was working harder than anyone else to, to get to achieve. And so again, I have no understanding why I was like this, but it was just something that never deterred me from, trying to to make it like i i would get cut from team after team after team i would you know always get the the short end of the stick when it came to what i was trying to work towards but every single time i had a setback or a failure it just seemed to just build this fucking fire and this drive inside of me to work even harder and like to the point where even like my my parents have always been super supportive which i'm very grateful for but literally to the point where my old man one day was just like what the fuck are you doing like why do you keep putting in all this time when this is how you're getting, like it's, you know, getting treated or this is what the result you're getting. Like, I don't understand why you're continuing to, to keep working so hard at this, but I just made my mind up. So um, yeah, I got into the gym in, in probably year 10. Um, Cause I was just underweight. I was overtraining, under eating. And that's, you know, that was kind of the, the, the catalyst for learning a lot about nutrition is that I pretty much just developed like an eating disorder, I guess you could say. It wasn't a diagnosis disorder or anything, but when I look at it now, it was just pretty fucking ridiculous. Like I was overtraining, under eating. Um, even when I got into the gym, I initially hated the gym for that first month or so because I was so used to just pushing myself with my running sessions that the feeling I got after going to the gym just felt like I wasn't working hard enough because I was resting between sets and I wasn't absolutely cooked at the end of every session. But when I started to see my body change and probably more importantly, my, my headspace and my, my confidence and my, you know, I guess self-worth, you could say as well from the gym, I just fell in love with it. And I, and I went all in with it. I was still running flat out. I was, I was lifting flat out. I was training basketball and football and, you know, fast forward a couple of years, I guess, towards the end of year 12, um, I'd gotten a lot stronger and built a bit of muscle and stuff. And in my eyes, I thought I was, I was, you know, looking like fucking Arnold, but in reality, I was exact same height as I am now. And um, I was like probably 25 kilos less. And I'm not, I'm, I'm still relatively skinny now, I would say. 
So I was about 60 to 62 kilos at the same height that I am now. And it was purely because I was just under eating. My relationship with food was fucked. And um, I hope I'm allowed to swear on this too. Otherwise, oh, you've got a bit of editing to do. We all swear um, on it, don't worry. But yeah, so that was that. I'm 182, so in shoes, six foot, but without shoes, 5'11". Um, but yeah, so I got, got to the end of year 12 and I actually made the decision that I was going to stop like quit basketball and focus on footy and then within a week i'd been invited to move to melbourne for basketball um full-time for a couple of years um working under some really good coaches so i had no intention of leaving like i had no intention of moving to melbourne at all like i'd i'd been accepted into um, uni to go and study exercise and sports science in geelong and my plan was to take a year off um, after school focus on footy focus on whatever and then go to uni if things didn't work out. Um, but instead, you know, straight after year 12, I moved to Melbourne, um, basketball full-time for two years. And that was probably the, that first year in Melbourne was probably the first time I started to really learn from like some reputable evidence-based people around training and nutrition. And, um, you know, with the help of a few strength coaches I was working with as well, I, I started to change a lot of the patterns that I'd created. So in particular around, around nutrition, like, that was the first time I started to understand like energy in versus energy out. And um, even with the training, I, I started to, I definitely wasn't training a minimal amount. Like I was training more than I ever had before, but it was in a way that was actually effective. So a lot of obviously on court stuff for basketball, a lot of strength training, but I wasn't doing all the extra shit that I was doing beforehand. So, you know, when I have a think about the weeks that I used to do for training, like before I moved to Melbourne, it was just absurd. Like the amount of training I was doing, and thinking that was normal. And then when I didn't train that hard, I would feel lazy. And I, I just had a shit relationship with training and food to the point where I was too obsessed with it. And um, anyway, so yeah, moved here, basketball full-time two years. I'd already done my PT qualification while I was in school. After my second year here in Melbourne, I had an ankle reconstruction and that pretty much just ended my basketball career. And so while I was recovering oh, wow. from the ankle reco, that first month was like probably the closest I've ever been to being depressed, I reckon. And it was just because I, the one thing that I'd spent every second of my day doing was just taken away from me. And I'd, unfortunately, I'd just tied a lot of my identity to being a basketball or an athlete or whatever. And outside of that, I wasn't putting any thought or focus to towards me as a person. It was just, I am a basketballer. And so that was pretty difficult that first month, but to my surprise, I didn't miss it after a month or so. I didn't miss basketball. I'd, I was so passionate about the fitness industry and I hadn't really been able to do much with that passion aside from my own training up until that point. That it was the first time I was able to, you know, start my business as a PT, start sharing more content online about what I was doing to see results. I was getting people that were interested in what I was doing. I was starting to help friends and, and people who followed my social media accounts out, um, which just felt really good. And so I guess the shift happened. It went from everything about me, I guess, to uh, shifted to everything about everyone else and just using my experiences. And since then, that's what I've done through, you know, social media, through my email list, podcasting, whatever it may be, is just go and experience shit for myself and and try and learn as much as possible and experience as much as possible, sift through all the bullshit and share those experiences and, and my findings, I guess, through my content. And hopefully that helps people. And, and yeah, so from there, it just kind of, it feels like it's gone quick as fuck since then. But 
it, it, that, that was the start of you know my career, I guess, in the fitness industry. And then I never looked back. I, I, I literally, from that moment, I had the reconstruction. I didn't actually play a game of basketball for five years. So I went from playing and training every fucking day for basically my whole life from, you know, whatever age I started to just not doing it at all. And, and I think that was still around the mindset of like, all right, well, I'm either going to go all in or not, not, not go at all. I didn't want to half-ass it. And um, I just changed that, that work ethic. I shifted across to all the focus on the gym and nutrition and all the focus on building a business and starting to understand business in general because I had no absolutely fucking no experience or understanding of business whatsoever when I started and yeah I mean fast forward to now um there's obviously been a lot that's happening between now and then but um it's just continued to evolve and I guess I've just continued to carry that passion for helping people and also just um and not attaching my identity to the things that I do I guess you could say isn't it interesting how you say like basketball was just like you're like, you felt like you were, you called yourself a basketballer. And then when that mm. ends, you kind of feel like, oh shit, what now? Cause I was like that with, um, I used to do a lot of Thai boxing mm. and when I like sort of had enough of Thai boxing and I decided to stop, I was coaching for a bit, but it just wasn't the same. Like it sounds mm. selfish, but because it wasn't for me, it sort of wasn't, it wasn't as, uh, wasn't as fulfilling. And uh, once I sort of, you know, you lose that identity of being like Steve, the tie boxer, I just, I was lost for a couple of years. It took me a couple of years to kind of get my head around it and, you know, just, yeah, I can, I can imagine. So you're, you were kind of forced out of it. Like it wasn't your own decision. Was it like a surgeon said, look, you shouldn't really be playing on this ankle. No, nah, it was, it was weird. It was kind of like organic. It was definitely my decision, I guess you could say, but I had the reconstruction. It was a very long recovery, like way longer than what I expected. Um, few issues after the surgery as well. Like um, I remember within a couple of weeks after the surgery, it was infected, which then, which then prolonged the, the rehab. And then throughout the period of having a, a pretty cooked ankle before I had surgery. And then obviously then having surgery, uh, my hamstrings and glutes just, down so then when i came back into training and started trying to run and trying to train on court again i was having a lot of back issues um and and yeah like my knowledge that i have now would have helped that a lot with the strength and training side of stuff but something that i kind of didn't do well early on as well is just get back to doing shit too soon like i i'd never once ever listened to the recommendations of how long i should rest for after any form of injury so yeah, I remember even after my reconstruction, like literally less than a week after I had the reconstruction, like for two weeks, you meant to literally just stay in bed. And I had like a fucking garbage bag on my leg in my moon boot in the gym doing weights. So like that yeah. wouldn't have helped it, but it literally just got to the point where I'd started to get back into training and just did not feel the passion for it anymore. It was just, it was a pretty weird experience. Like I think the time away from it, made me realize that fuck there's actually a lot more to life than just yeah. shooting basketball every day and it also made me reflect a little bit i have a different perspective on where i was at and i almost probably get a bit bit more honest with myself about like all right i can come back to basketball and you know and, and still potentially have a really good career in basketball but would that be as fulfilling and also just like uh, financially as well like would that be as successful and fulfilling 
as in comparison to if you had if you start your own business in the health industry now something that doesn't require you to to be you know the the like i mean not the, doesn't it's not that it doesn't require you to be the face of it but it means like i mean it doesn't matter whether i'm fucking 25 or 45 i can still yeah. be doing business right yeah. so it was like all right it's smarter for me to start my business now and and it also made me realize that while i was still playing basketball like my most in enjoy the most enjoyment i had apart from actually playing the game was the fucking gym like the strength and conditioning stuff the the off season like i enjoyed the fucking off season yeah. more than anyone because i just love the fitness side of things so i was like well you've been wanting to be able to have this freedom to do this stuff for years now like you know inadvertently so i started getting back on court wasn't enjoying it as much didn't really have the desire to be working as hard as what i was before to play basketball pair that with the fact that I was still having a lot of niggles and body just didn't feel good in comparison to what it did before. And yeah, I just made the decision. I literally just one day was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm going all in with, with, with my business and, and, um, and fitness. And then literally that year I ended up competing like in, in a, in my first physique show. So even that was something that yeah. I'd, uh, you know, no one around me had ever done. And, and I had never really even expressed to other people that I was interested in shit like that. But that was just something to me where I think this is the reason why I enjoy the gym so much as well is when I look back at it now, I was confident that I was working harder than anyone else, basically for all of the years that I was playing basketball. And I just didn't reap the rewards of the work ethic that I'd yeah. put in. Yeah. Whereas when I went to the gym, and even with physique competing, it doesn't matter if I, I didn't give a fuck about winning or losing with the physique stuff, but I knew that if I look better than what I did last time, or if I improve muscle mass, if I drop body fat, that does not have anything to do with fucking anyone but me. Yeah, exactly. So all the work yeah. that I put in, I'm responsible for whether or not I do or don't see progress. Yeah. And and doesn't matter what the fuck anyone else says, doesn't matter what this coach says, doesn't matter any of this shit, nothing matters aside from do I or don't I put yeah. in the work and how consistent can I be? And I just really fucking enjoyed that. And I think that was quite empowering because I, I, you know, even throughout those years of uh, during school and, and, you know, even when I was in Melbourne that first year or two, I definitely wasn't in a great headspace. I, I, I wasn't that happy. I don't think, um, I think a lot of it was because I was placing a lot of my worth on whether or not I was making these teams or whether or not I was successful in basketball. And when I wasn't, I just feel shit about myself. And I, as I said, I, I tied my identity to it. So I would also feel like, well, fucking people around me probably feel this way about me as well. I didn't feel like I was worthy of, of, of as much as what I, you know, I feel like I am now. So yeah, it was just a, it was just a shift and um, I'm super glad it happened. And, and, you know, that was probably the first big thing that also helped me start to understand, you know, that, everything happens for a reason. And, um, I never thought that before, like, but at that point I was like very controlling in terms of like, all right, in order for this outcome to happen, I need to do this, this, and this. And I was too fixated on these outcomes. Whereas after that, I was like, I can continue to align myself with what I say I want and what I want to do. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But, um, yeah, just started to see it as a sign and, and not getting so tied up in like um, in outcomes as much and just knowing that everything happens for a reason. And and I look back on that now and that was probably one of the fucking best things that's ever happened to me because otherwise I wouldn't be in a position I am in now if I didn't have that anchor reconstruction. So it is what it is. Yeah, that's it. 
you're obviously great on your podcasts and um you must enjoy doing it i love doing the podcast with with the boys like just getting on and talking about stuff that you're passionate about and it's you know 99 percent of the time it's like positive conversations and mm -hmm. but i mean that's how i discovered you was through um researching nutrition and and stuff like that on uh on the podcast platforms like i said at the start a lot of runners probably get nutrition totally wrong and so sort of dumbing it right down if we get into like what you do really with your clients and that you, you're sort of coaching them with like their weights programs fitness and the nutrition like you're you're always on your podcast i hear you constantly talking about macros for anyone who doesn't know what like what are macros so your three main macronutrients are your proteins carbohydrates and fats and so our macronutrients is what makes up our calorie intake and so you know fats i think are essential to some degree because they play a big role in like hormone levels and stuff protein is obviously essential for you know repairing and rebuilding muscle tissue and recovery and and even you know metabolically as well we can go without carbohydrates but i think for a lot of people particularly endurance athletes i know there's a, a large percentage of endurance athletes that enjoy going um you know high fat and low carbohydrate but i think a lot of the time most athletes um would probably find you know carbohydrates quite essential for obviously things like glycogen stores and stuff as well but in saying that, as I mentioned before, we, we, they're not, carbohydrates aren't essential for us to, to function or to, to, to grow or perform or whatever. But, um, yeah, so your three macronutrients make up your calorie intake. And so when you look at it, protein and carbohydrates are both worth four calories per gram. Fats are worth nine calories per gram. So just even starting to gain that understanding of like, all right, this is what's making up my calorie intake. And then once I started to gain awareness around what they were, I downloaded my fitness pal, the, the app, and I actually started tracking what I was eating like day to day. And for me, when I first started doing that, I was like, holy fuck, I am not eating anywhere near enough. Like in my head, I'm thinking like, oh, you know, I can't eat this, can't eat that. I'm eating too much, blah, blah, blah. And then once I started to, again, like start to look into, all right, how can I figure out how many calories I need in order to build muscle or to lose fat or to maintain my weight, whatever it is. And I started to get these figures that I was like, all right, I need to start aiming for this. And at the start, it was like fucking almost double what I was eating, right? And it, and I was just like wrapping my head around that initially was very difficult. And, and I think, you know, the fact that I have that experience helps a lot now with working with clients because there's a lot of people that come to me that have been under eating for a long period of time. And in order to rebuild the metabolism and, and get, you know, their body to the point where they want it to be, it requires us to, you know, reverse diet or at least start adding calories in and getting our intake to where it should be. And that can be difficult when you have been basically programmed to think the opposite for a long period of time. But um, yeah, as I said, the macronutrients make up calorie intake. Um, I used to be quite adamant on tracking all three of those pretty, um, pretty accurately. Whereas now I'm a big um, advocate of, you know, sticking close to our calorie target, making sure we're, we're reaching a certain amount of protein as a minimum each day, and then not worrying too much about what the ratio of carbohydrates and fats are. So realistically looking mainly at total calorie intake, how much protein are we getting in per day? And then the rest is relatively irrelevant pretty much. Like when you're extremely low levels of body fat, like let's say a bodybuilder, 
I think it's more important then to be very accurate with all three macronutrients daily. Otherwise you will see, you know, decent fluctuations in what your body composition is like day to day based off how much you're having of all three type of thing. But for the average person and even for athletes, like a lot of the athletes I work with, that's what we're doing. We're tracking calorie intake, protein minimum. Naturally, you'll probably find you lean towards one side more than the other with the ratio of carbs and fats anyway. Um, but that was my first like introduction to just understanding body composition and understanding performance and and the building blocks of what actually fucking matters with nutrition. Because up until uh, until I learned that, I tried everything with nutrition and none of it was fucking working. And also when I look at it now, it was all just ridiculous. And unfortunately, the fitness industry, as good as it is, is also filled with so much garbage. And the other unfortunate thing is that when you have someone who's got a profile in the fitness industry, majority of the time they will push heavily towards their audience what they think is the correct or optimal approach because it's worked for them or they like it or they might have products that they sell that are in alignment with that and so you've got someone who's you know quite um you know let's say you've been following my content for five years and now every day i come out and say you can't eat fucking bread like you should not eat bread don't eat bread if you want to get lean so all my followers are like oh fuck well i shouldn't eat bread anymore but why like just because i said so so i think it made me start to question people more but it also made me understand the importance of evidence-based information with training and nutrition and so my understanding after that and and my confidence and my level of like anxiety around body composition just went away instantly like i was so emotionally invested in food before because i would look at food as good or bad i would i would um you know feel guilty about eating certain things or going out for a drink or whatever and it realistically just changed the whole thing for me. I started looking at my my daily calorie intake like a financial budget. I was not emotionally attached to it at all anymore. I started to understand that the body doesn't fucking know whether you're eating a piece of chicken breast or whether you're eating a steak or whether you're eating fish or tofu. It, it realistically is understanding energy input in terms of what I'm providing my body with in terms of energy. So when I understood that, I started to go, well, fuck, I, I can kind of like... I don't have to be so strict with what I'm eating all the time. Like it, it's common sense to understand that, you know, if you think of your body like a sports car, like if you think of your body like a Ferrari, right? You'd never buy a Ferrari and then go to the service station and give it the shittest quality fuel possible because that's what's cheapest, right? If you're buying a Ferrari, you're most likely putting quality fuel in it. And if you don't, it's going to run like shit, probably break down and not perform at its best. And that's the same as our bodies. So yep. yes, I am a big advocate of, of helping people understand that if you want to go out for a glass of wine or if you want to have a burger or if you want to have pizza or ice cream, that's fine. You can still lose fat as long as it's tracked within your daily calorie intake, as long as it fits in within your daily calorie budget. But at the same time, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that majority of those calories should be coming from your nutrient-dense whole foods, the, the healthier options that are actually going to make you feel good, recover well, you know, actually improve your overall health and well-being but it doesn't mean that we need to to stop and start with our with our um, body composition goals or feel guilty whenever we have something that's not necessarily seen as healthy we just account for it in our daily intake and once i started to implement that and i'm seeing my body change and it's just blowing my mind i'm like what the fuck like these foods that i've avoided for so long i'm eating on a daily basis and i've never looked or felt better in my whole entire life 
And so once I gained that understanding, it was like, I, I just want as many people as possible to understand this because I knew what it was like to just have no, no idea about what I should be doing. I knew what it was um, like to so, work really yeah. hard and not see the fucking results. Yeah. And I just saw so many people just obsessing and, and getting anxious about shit that just doesn't matter. So it was like, you know, debunking a lot of, a lot of myths, I guess you could say around nutrition, whether that be people thinking carbohydrates are bad, whether that be, you know, people saying that this diet's better than the other one. In the end of the day, it doesn't fucking matter what, you know, quote unquote diet method you want to use. The only fucking way that you can lose fat is if you are in a calorie deficit in negative energy balance. The only way that you're going to gain weight is if you're consistently in a positive energy balance, a calorie surplus. So once you understand that, it's like, well, this takes a lot of stress away, takes a lot of the emotion away from it. It allows you a lot more freedom and it also helps people understand why shit has been working so or not working. So there's two things I'll mention there. The first one is that if you speak to someone who is a massive believer in dropping carbohydrates to lose fat, right? Chances are they were eating like shit before. And then, so their calories are probably high. Then they've removed the whole macronutrient group, which to be fair, was probably a majority of what they were eating before anyway. So they've just removed like a huge chunk of calories from what they were eating. So the reason they started to lose weight or fat is what they should be losing. But the reason why they started to, to drop in body weight is not because they removed carbs. It's because they just removed a shitload of calories. So if they had have had that same amount of calories, including carbohydrates, the results would have been the same. So correlation does not always necessarily mean cause that is not necessarily a mean causation if that's what the fucking saying is correlation mm. over or versus causation or whatever the fuck it is so yeah. when you see the guy in the gym or the or the girl in the gym who looks fucking incredible and you look at their instagram and they're they're following a paleo diet doesn't mean if you follow a paleo diet that you're going to look like them doesn't mean that it's the only way to look like them is to do what they're doing in the end of the day whether you're uh, an advocate of intermittent fasting vegan uh, low carb, low fat, paleo, caveman, whatever the fuck it is, doesn't matter. Whatever you enjoy works as long as you're in a calorie deficit. Or yeah. if you're gaining weight, you, I say to people all the time, if you if you eat enough chicken breast, brown rice, and broccoli every day to the point where you're in a calorie surplus, you will gain weight. You'll get fat. Like you'll put on body fat eating yeah. that food. So it was just a big shift away from... Yeah, looking at at what foods I was eating to more so understanding, all right, how much am I eating daily? And that's all it took. And then once I started to see results, I was like, oh man, I've just fucking clocked it. Like, this is it. There's no, all this other shit was just a waste of time. And it's just, it's just unnecessary shit that people are kind of consumed by. And as I said, uh, you know, five, 10 minutes ago, the reason why it's so popular a lot of the time is because of the fact that certain people are pushing it or, uneducated people around nutrition are pushing it or there's people selling products that are attached to this style of eating which makes sense for them to push the shit out of these diets because it's going to allow them to make money off it yeah. so yeah it was just a lot of debunking stuff and and really just showing people that like it's not hard it's not that fucking hard to to lose fat in theory obviously you know putting it into practice is not easy a lot of the time otherwise you know the it, any form of change is difficult and uncomfortable but in theory, it's very fucking simple. It doesn't matter. All the little details that people worry about don't really matter in terms of how many meals am I having per day? When am I eating my carbs? 
am I having my protein shake as soon as I finish my workout or 30 or 40 minutes later? No, it fucking doesn't even matter. It's like just follow the basic shit and you'll see results if you are consistent because the problem with nutrition for most people is they follow a diet or they follow this approach which just sucks and they don't enjoy and they feel like they're doing really well because it's really difficult and they feel really disciplined and and they feel like it's a bit of a badge of honor of how fucking shit this workout plan and diet is and I'm sticking to it. And then two weeks in, they have this fucking binge or whatever. And it's like, well, what was the point of doing all that work for the last week or two if you've just blown your calories out? Or even to me, when I see people doing like challenges and, and I've run plenty of challenges, but I make sure they're educational. But when I see a challenge where it's like, how much weight can you lose in eight weeks? Well, you know, for the certain personality, that's not a bad thing because if they're going to implement these things after the challenge, great, but majority of people will not. So yeah. I say to people all the time, like if I said to you, like if I said to you right now, Steve, like what's your dream car? And you tell me what your dream car is. And I say, all right, if you work your fucking ass off, like harder than you've ever worked before doing all this shit that you don't even really enjoy for the next eight weeks, every single day, like to the point where it's extremely not enjoyable. But at the end of the eight weeks, I'm going to give you a dream car. But after one or two weeks, I'm going to take it back and you'll never see it again. Who the fuck would do that? But that's yeah. what people do with nutrition and training. Exactly. They do yeah. fat loss challenges and lose all this weight following a diet approach that from day one, they're counting down the days until they can stop doing it. A training approach, which is just not sustainable. So at the end of the eight weeks, they might look good for a week or two and feel really good about themselves. But has anything changed? No, nothing's changed. So why? Like, what's the point? unsustainable yeah it just doesn't make any fucking sense to me but yeah and, and it's not as i said it's not necessarily because people it's just because people are, are just either misinformed or or just don't have the education around it and that's why i've been so consistent with my content is like i want people to understand that you don't have to be the most disciplined person in the world you don't have to give up a social life you don't have to be an athlete or you don't have to be fucking genetically blessed or anything. Like everyone can get in the best shape of their life and maintain it if you follow the, the right approach. Sorry, you you brushed on it just before. Um, yeah, firstly, would you recommend people download something like My Fitness Pal to track their macros? I reckon like it's that's that's the app that I've always used. So I mean, I'm sure there's other ones out there now, but for me, that's just what I'm familiar with. So that's what I typically recommend. But yeah, the, the pushback that you get sometimes or what I've had from, you know, either clients who wanted to work with me or or even clients that have worked with me for a period of time around tracking the calorie intake is there's usually two excuses, right? First one is that I don't have time to be fucking putting shit in an app all day, every day. All right, we'll touch on that in a second. Second one is it's too obsessive. Like, oh, I'm, 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 that's, that sounds just ridiculous. Like I, I, don't, I don't have the discipline to be able to do that. That's just over the top. So the questions I come back and say, well, do you actually want to see a result or not? Yeah. Because I'm telling you that if you do this, this? yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, if you do this, I'm guaranteeing you a result. Or would you rather spend the next five years, like your previous five years, trying every fucking diet and training plan under the sun, seeing no results and being disappointed with how you look and feel? And so when someone tells me they can't do the my fitness pal thing, I'm like, well, do you use Instagram or Facebook or TikTok? Yeah, 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 of course. How many hours do you spend on that a day? Oh, fucking probably a couple hours a day. So you're telling me you can't spend three minutes in the morning yeah. or three minutes the night before 
at least putting an estimate of what you're going to eat for the day in an app to guarantee you fucking see results. And if someone can't guarantee that if someone can't do that, then they just don't want to see the result. So it doesn't bother me. I'm like, fine, that's no worries. Like I don't have any issue with you not wanting to do it. Good luck with whatever you do. But um, to me, it's just, it's just common sense. It's like, that's literally what it is. You're taking the guesswork out of seeing results and that's the way it should be. So I refer to it a lot of the time as becoming the CEO of your own body. So a successful business person doesn't just hope for the best. They, they know the numbers. They know what's coming in. They know what's going out. And the reason why it's important is because when shit hits the fan, we can look at what needs to change. Or when things go well, we can see why they're going well. And we always have variables that we're in control of that we can change. So it's not, it's not a guessing game. It's like, it's more of a fucking formula, right? And yeah. that's the same with nutrition and seeing results. It's like, if you really want to see this result, then I'm sure you can give up a couple of minutes of your day to just keep it running track of like uh you know a running sheet of what you've had for the day and it's very simple it's like it's just easy as shit ever and so the beauty of that is that yes we are we're so much more consistent and accurate because if you're eating healthy does not mean that you're gonna lose fat right because more more likely your nutrition looks like this throughout the week it's just a yo-yo there'll be days where you've eaten fuck all and there'll be days where you've had too much and it's just inconsistent so you're literally just guessing your way and even if you do get in shape without tracking your intake you genuinely don't even understand why you can't you can't actually tell me that the the reason you've gotten this shape is because of i ate this meal or some shit i'm like well that's not it because if you ate more if you had enough of that meal you could also gain fat so it takes the guesswork away you know it, to me it just it just takes a lot of stress out of it too because it's like i i just know that if i'm consistently hitting this number every day this week or close enough to it. And it doesn't not need to be perfect. I say this to my clients all the time. Your nutrition doesn't need to be perfect at all. I haven't had like a perfect nutrition day for fucking 10 years. But it doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be consistent. And so, you know, when I do decide to go and have a drink or go out for dinner or whatever, I'm not sitting here going like, oh, we'll start again on Monday. Like I'm going to go out for dinner on, on Friday night. So that means that I'll just kind of pack it in for the rest of the weekend and just eat like a fucking pig for two days because i've already fucked it up and then i'll start monday it's like well nah what i'm spending my my calorie budget this way today which just means that i need to pull back in spending it in other areas earlier in the day and, and everything's sweet so yeah very long answer but that's that's kind of no that's awesome it's really good and that's the other thing i wanted you to to um explain to the listeners like you know we're coming into christmas everyone overindulges and there's a thing that you've uh, recommended on your podcast a few times where you treat your calories like a financial budget. You know, mm. you give yourself a certain amount of dollars to spend every day. Do you want to just go through that? Because I think that's re really handy for people coming into Christmas. You know, got a yeah. big Christmas dinner or something planned. Like, how do you kind of like you load your week sort of preparing for it, don't you? Yeah, so... The other good thing about understanding how many like calories roughly you need per day is that you also begin to understand that your body's not just working off a day-by-day -day basis. Like if I eat really well today, it doesn't mean I'm going to look great tomorrow. If I eat like shit today, it doesn't mean I'm going to look like shit tomorrow. What it does mean is that I now start looking at like, all right, if I'm having, you know, whatever random example, let's say I'm having 2000 calories a day, which is not what I'm having, but I'm just, it makes it easy for maths. So if, um, if I'm having 2,000 calories a day across seven days, that's 14,000 calories for the week. 
Okay, so if I have a weekly allowance of 14,000 calories, realistically, I can kind of spend that however I like. So it doesn't need to be like the body doesn't go, oh, actually, he's had 2,000 every single day this week. So we're going to drop fat. It just literally just over a period of time, the consistency just compounds, right? So I can start to look at strategically how I want to spend those calories. So if I know that on Saturday night, I'm, I've got a big dinner with the missus and we're going to have whatever, like go out and eat and, and maybe have a few drinks. I can either just make that day a write-off and, and do what I said before and, and continue this shit cycle with a shit relationship with food where you go and eat something that's higher in calories and you just think that you've got to start again the next day. Or I can account for that by just being smarter about how I spend my allowance throughout the week. So if I'm starting off with 2000 a day, then I might bring my intake down to 1800. So I might take 200 calories away from that for six days leading into that weekend where I know I'm going to be going out for a big meal or it might be Christmas or your birthday or a Christmas party, whatever it is. So instead of having 2000 calories from Sunday through to Friday, I'm going to have 1800. Now, because I have taken away 200 calories from six days, that's a total of 1200 calories that I've removed from the week. So all I'm going to do is, is place those 1200 calories that I've removed on top of the 2000 I started with on day seven to make my weekly total the same. So my total for the week is still 14,000, but now I've got six days at 1800 calories and then I've got one day at 3,200 calories and I'm still going to lose fat, if not fucking more effectively than what I was previously doing 2000 a day. And I still allow myself to have a social life. I still get to enjoy all the things that I enjoy doing. I don't have to feel guilty about going out for a party or, or for an event or whatever. And I've planned ahead. So I've just I've just become a little more strategic with how I'm placing my calorie intake. And and that's a game changer. Like again, it's very similar to to when I first understood macros. Once I understood like, let's start looking at our food intake across the span of seven days instead of one. How can I use these in a way that's going to allow me to be more sustainable and adhere to this longer? Because that just may, that one day a week may just be a Friday every week. It might just be, or a Saturday every week where you just literally just plan ahead so that if you do want to go and go out for a meal or if you do want to have a day a week where you're just eating more food, you can do that every single week. So a lot of my clients now will structure their week with six or five or six lower days, one or two higher days every week just so they've got at least one day a week where it doesn't feel like they're in a deficit got flexibility and freedom to go and do other shit and um, maybe have some of the meals that they haven't been able to fit into their daily allowance or whatever throughout the week and and that to me just is a, a no-brainer to for sustainability and something that people genuinely enjoy because if you enjoy something you're so much more likely to to stick with it yeah since i've been tracking um everything that I eat on that my fitness pal, I realized that like my diet has probably been excellent, but just overdoing, you know, chocolate and stuff like that. I didn't realize how high in calories the chocolate mm. and stuff is. I just can't recommend people to get on it and, and even just give it a shot for a little while, just so you understand what you're actually putting in and, you know, the first thing that most clients see when they start tracking is like, oh shit, I've been eating this healthy breakfast for the last five years. And this healthy breakfast is fucking 800 calories. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So it's like the foods that you would suspect to be good for you 
or lower in calories a lot of the time just aren't or the other big one is that most people realize they've just been having nowhere near enough protein that's so, that's what i was just about to say my protein yeah. level was just too low mm-hmm. and that's common so yeah at the very least you're also gaining a massive step of like what you're doing in the first place because you, you know for a lot of the clients that i'm working with now particularly female the first thing we do is actually bring their calories up to try and lose fat and they might have been trying to lose fat for the last three months eating fuck all and then the first week we bring their calories up by three or four hundred calories and all of a sudden they start dropping fat like every week and they're like can't actually understand what how this is working because they're eating more but it's just because you haven't been eating anywhere near enough or you haven't been eating enough protein or you know your body is realistically you know it definitely doesn't go into not straight away anyway it doesn't go into starvation mode but it does it does get to this where it's like or well, you're doing all this exercise you don't to, to recover and repair and and to function properly so i'm going to hold on to a lot of these calories that you're you're actually eating so i can fucking survive and function properly yeah. and so when we're when our body's in that state good luck good luck in losing fat or you definitely won't be building muscle but like good luck in trying to lose fat and, and feel good because your body is just, you're putting your body in a position that it shouldn't be. And so sometimes raising the calorie intake as well can actually lead to more fat loss because now your body's functioning better. Now you've got more energy to train. Now your metabolism starting to gain some health. Now your hormones aren't fucked anymore. Yeah. There's a number of different things yeah. that can, can happen when you just gain that awareness around the food side. It's crazy that you say that because when I was um, fighting, I used to, I'd be like basically living on rabbit food to try and drop the weight. And then just say on a weekend, I might've had like just a big meal because I just felt so drained. And then I would lose more weight after that. (laughs) It just made, now it makes sense. You need the calories to burn the fat. It's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And you see it a lot with fighters. Um, Like I'm a massive uh, like boxing and UFC fan. And um you know, I follow it quite clo- closely and it's it's fucking horrible for, for the females because it just completely ruins their hormone um, levels completely. But even for the guys, like yeah, an example would be Paddy Pimlet. Do you follow the UFC yeah, at all? Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. So Paddy gets in exceptional shape for his fights, eating absolutely fuck all. And because he he has such an extreme approach to his his weight cuts, when he comes out of a fight, not only is he psychologically in a shit place because he's put himself in such a deprived state for so long with his with his weight cut, physically he can't possibly be performing at anywhere near his best on the night because he's so drained that there's no way a 24-hour you know rehydration period is going to be enough for him to to be back functioning properly. But more importantly, his metabolism's that fucked that by the time he starts his fight camp for his next fight, he's blown out by like literally, you know, 20 plus kilos. So then the next time it's just as hard, if not harder. Whereas, you know, I had a a coaching call with a client the other day who's a boxer and um, he was running through his calories he gets down to to make weight for his fights and then what his, his calories like outside of camp. And one of the things we spoke about is that like between now and the start of your next camp, you have to start reverse dieting and gradually build your calorie intake up to the point where you're not gaining a heap of fat, but your calories are quite high so that when you need to drop and, and realistically trying to stay within 
five or so kilos of of your fight weight because then when you need to lose fat it's as simple as just dropping a little bit of calories for you know a month or two and all of a sudden you're dropping weight quite quickly because your metabolism is where it needs to be and you're not putting your body in this horrible position just to try and make this weight which your body shouldn't be at if you've given yourself you know six weeks to lose fucking 15 kilos or something like that it's ridiculous so yeah, even even in the in the um, combat sport side of things, I think it just could, could be done so much smarter. Yeah, it's crazy, and you think um, you're expected to go out there and put on like a really good performance, and you just feel like shit. You're just drained. Yeah, exhausted. Like, um, it's interesting because I, Conor McGregor, I thought was so good at the lighter weight because he was so big and rangy that mm. he could kind of just pop people off from a distance. But it was, he, you know, he looked like he was dying every time he made weight. I think it was at 145. And then, so he's, he's mm. gone up, uh, he's gone up a couple of divisions now, but he's now he's like, of camp, so he never was like blown out, you know? Yeah. Back then anyway, like now's a different story, but back then he, he never outside of camp, he never looked like he was that far off making weight. And I think him even being able to make, say, 145 realistically is just all down to obviously like a water cut realistically. Like, yeah. um, so then, you know, as you said, like that rehydration, I still don't think he would have been back at his optimal levels within 24 hours or whatever. But um, once he rehydrates, you know, as you said, he might be fucking 155 in yeah. by the time he gets in the, in the octagon the next day which is a big difference between someone who's only had to cut a few pounds to make weight. Yeah. And then when they rehydrate, they're basically the same weight as when they weighed in. Um, so I think that's what helps a lot, but, but yeah, between, uh, the reason I even said that is because uh, people do that with their people who aren't fucking fighters do that. You know, it's like trying to get in shape, doing all this shit that they never will stick to for a long period of time, lose a heap of weight, and in that process, lose a lot of muscle mass as well and, and damage their metabolism. So then after they're finished their fat loss phase, they go back to whatever they were doing before. And surprise, surprise, you put on a shitload of fat in a short period of time and you look like shit within a few weeks. And then you repeat the cycle again the next time. And it's just never ending until you finally do this or, or, or learn from someone who actually has evidence-based info and put it to practice. And then you start to realize that, fuck, I've been making this so much harder than what it needs to be. It's actually not, not that bad should be enjoyable. Like I say to every single one of my clients from day one, this whole process should be enjoyable. If you're not, and you know, yes, there is going to be parts of this that are difficult. Yes. There's going to be parts that are uncomfortable and you still have to have a, a decent amount of discipline as well, but you should enjoy this whole thing. Like it should never be at a point where you're just like literally counting down the days until this is over. It's like, it should not feel like that ever. Um, if it does, then the chances are your approach that you're using is just too drastic. Too extreme. Yep. Yeah. Oh man, I feel like we could just keep talking forever, but um, do you want to talk about the, your new supplement company? Yeah. I mean, it's still, I think as we mentioned before, we hit record, like I don't know if it will be launched by the time this episode's out, but um, yeah, I, ever since I first got into the gym, I think like a lot of people who are gym enthusiasts, um, you know, you tend to gravitate towards trying out different supplements and stuff. And I remember as a kid, you know, I remember the first pre-workout I tried was Jack 3D. I don't know if you ever, ever gave yeah. that a nudge, but that was yeah, pretty wild. Um, but yeah, so, you know, using supplements right from the start, you know, luckily I kind of started to learn pretty quickly, about, you know, 
how supplements work and that if everything else is not in alignment first and they're not going to do much for you, but they've been such a big part of my journey, I guess, in the industry, you could say in terms of, you know, using things like your, your, I guess your more fundamental supplements like protein, creatine, all that stuff. You know, I typically use pre-workouts. Um, there's a number of different supplements that I've, I've used consistently throughout my whole time using the gym and very early days when I decided that I wanted to go down this route of, you know, becoming a, a, an authority in the fitness industry. I, it was always a dream of mine to one day be sponsored by a supplement company. And I remember early on, once I started to build, you know, even just a little bit of a following on social media, I would, I'd be in contact with the supplement company and he's like trying to see what I had to do in order to be in a position to, you know, even, you know, ask the question of being sponsored by a company. And, um, you know, it didn't happen for a very long time. Very similar to how a lot of my kind of, I guess your career, career you could say has gone. Like I had a lot of compounding of consistent effort over a long period of time to get the result. But, you know, luckily uh, enough, I got to the, a point uh, maybe 2019, I think it was, um, where EHP Labs, a company that I'd already built some really good relationships with, um, by literally just going to do like free work for them at Expos and just building relationships with the CEO and some of the boys who were sponsored already. And they were always pretty good to me. But um, 2019, they reached out and offered me a contract as a as a sponsored athlete. And at the time, like I was just fucking wild. Like I was so grateful. Um, super proud of the fact that I'd stuck it out to get to a point where it was actually a possibility. And yeah, I w- was very lucky to work with EHP for whatever that was, 2019, I think it was all the way up until about a month ago. Um, and the reason why I wrapped up is because my partner and I, over probably like the last eight months or so, have been developing um, our own supplement company, which um, from a passion side of things is obviously very aligned with what I do and and most of my audience, but also from a business side, and that was largely why we did it, is um, it'll be the first business, I guess, that I've I've started that, you know, the idea would be to, not have my name completely attached to the company and to scale the business and, you know, build on this and learn as much as possible over the next, you know, however many years, 10 years or whatever. And then, you know, one day be in a position to, to sell the company um, potentially, but for the time being, it's just been really cool to, I guess, put my um, knowledge and experience and stuff to use and try and formulate what I would think would be, you know, the best protein powder and, you know, pre-workout supplements and, all the rest of it. And um, yeah, we're not too far away from launching right now. So um, I guess if, if anyone is listening and wants to check out um, or stay up to date with when we're launching and, and get any information, you can just head to the Instagram page, unify underscore health. So it's spelled Y O U N I I underscore health. Um, and there's a link in the bio, which you can join, you know, the wait list for, uh, via email and, you know, you'll be the first to know, when we're launching and and to get a sneak peek at some of the products um but yeah ideally that'll be launched by uh the end of 2023 and um yeah it's exciting something new wow. and a new challenge there's been plenty of challenges with it um but it's really exciting so i'm i'm super keen to see you know what we can do with that and um it's just you know again part of the story and um the next chapter unreal geez i bet that was a costly uh, experience does yeah developing sure. that yeah. cost the bomber i've heard yeah that's, that's it's been pretty it's been pretty costly but at the same time you know where there's a few things to it firstly you know i wanted to do it properly from the start i didn't want to cut any corners just to 
have a product out there. I wanted to make sure it was the best quality product I could make. But we've also done it in a, in a, a smart way, I guess you could say, like we're, we're understanding like the whole game of business as well. Like, you know, even with the, once we launched a company, like, you know, realistically we won't take anything out of that company for a decent period of time. And, you know, to continue to reinvest in building the company as much as possible. Um, we haven't gone crazy and, and, and launched a shitload of products all at the one time. We want to make sure we do it properly. So we've still got a, a decent level of like patience with this whole process in terms of making sure we do it right from the start. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's an investment, but I, I look at it very much the same as an investment into a mentor or a coach or investment into a, into a index fund or something, you know, it's like, I'm investing this, this money, which, you know, as you said, it sometimes it can be quite expensive, but it's like, I'm investing this money into something that I can genuinely continue to put into work with similar to what we said about the gym. It's like, yes, I'm putting this money in, but it's up to me now and my partner, but it's up to us now, whether or not this is a return on investment or not. So um, I think you should always, you know, I think you should never hesitate to invest in yourself. Um, and, and again, whether that's with a mentor or a coach or whether that's into starting your own business or education or whatever. Um, and so, you know, I, I look at this as an investment into ourselves that, you know, assuming we continue to put in the work that we know we, we want to, and we need to, then it should pay off. Um, and yeah, we'll just wait and see. Real Matt. So I'll put the, um, the link to that in the description. So oh, I appreciate it, man. Instagram and, um, give them a follow, but man, this has been awesome. I think, um, we should maybe do another one at another mm -hmm. stage. If you, if you got the, the time, but yeah, um, I'd love to. it's been excellent, man. And, um, like I said, I love your podcast and uh, I'll link that to the, I'll link your podcast in the description as well. So people can check that out, but man, I like, thank you. I know you're so busy. I really appreciate you jumping on and, and having a chat to me. It's been, I appreciate um, you having me on, man. Um, I really do. And um, yeah, congrats on the pod. As as uh, you would know, like I, I completely understand like the grind and the hustle with with podcasting and content and building any form of business as well. Um, and yeah, I, I'm just grateful to be asked to even be on podcast now. Realistically, like I was, you know, when I first started mine, I was in a position where I was just trying as hard as I could to get people to come on my show. Um, so yeah, anytime I get asked to go on a show now, it's, it's typically a yes. Cause I'm just grateful to even be asked. So thanks for having me on, man. Oh man. You're just a great talker. You could just, you could, um, yeah, like I said, we could have just sat and I could have listened to you speak for hours, but unfortunately <laughs> don't have all day, but man, thank you very much for that. And, um, I hope our listeners enjoyed it and took a lot out of it. I'm sure they would have. Yeah, man. Check the description for all the links to all your social media. Thanks again, Danny. Legend. Always, man. Thank you.
Close your eyes, leave all your troubles behind. Yes, it's fine. Come kick it with me in my imagination. In my imagination. Well, sometimes my mind plays these tricks on me. Sometimes, and I'll find that my mind climbs higher than it should climb. My imagination, I'm contemplating, hesitating on exploiting my mind. Wish you find in time, I will find they will shine when they only shine. You can put a time on mine. Show me these purple elephants, a twisted intelligence, extension of tolerance, dimension of flowers in my mind. Stop rewind. Now what the fuck did you find? Ain't nothing in here but why? Subliminal messages can't breathe. Close your eyes. Leave all your troubles behind. Yes, it's fine. Come kick it with me in my imagination. Sometimes our minds play these tricks on us. Sometimes we find that our minds they climb higher than they should climb. Up. Our imagination contemplating, hesitating on exploiting my mind. We should find in time our minds they will shine with the longest shine you can. Put the time on mine. Show me these purple. A twisted intelligence, extension of tolerance, dimension of flowers in my mind. Stop rewind. Now what the fuck did you find? Ain't nothing in here but why? Subliminal. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Close your eyes. Leave all your troubles behind. Yes, it's fine. Come kick it with me in my imagination. In my imagination. Close your eyes. Leave all your troubles behind. Yes, it's fine. Come kick it with me in my imagination. I'm contemplating, hesitating on exploiting my mind, 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 mind.